Hello, friends, and welcome to the Dimension of Our Midnight Cake, a weekly transmission from the Nexus of Realities. I'm Soltis, and joining me are my friends and fellow transdimensional beings, Beaches, Lumberdor, and my brother, Banjo. Unfortunately, Doug is once again embroiled in the battle amongst the denizens of his own dimension and will be unable to join us for this week. For this transmission... We have come to the Nexus to discuss the 2019 American motorsport drama film Ford versus Ferrari, or Le Mans 66, as it was titled in some European countries. Directed by James Mangold and written by Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, and Jason Keller, the movie stars Matt Damon as Carol Shelby and Christian Bale as Ken Miles, with John Bernthal, Katrina Balfe, Tracy Letts, Josh Lucas, Noah Jupe, Remo Gironi, and Ray McKinnon in supporting roles. Ford versus Ferrari follows the story of American and British engineers and designers led by automotive designer Carol Shelby and his British driver Ken Miles, who are dispatched by Henry Ford II and Lee Iacocca with the mission of building the Ford GT40, a new racing car with the potential to finally defeat the dominant Italian racing team, Scuderia Ferrari, at the 1966 24 Hours of Le Mans race in France. The film is 152 minutes long and grossed $225.5 million at the box office against a $97.6 million budget. Ford vs. Ferrari has also received worldwide acclaim from critics who praise the performances, particularly for Bale and Damon, as well as Mangold's direction, the editing, and the racing sequences. It was chosen by the National Board of Review as one of the 10 best films of the year, and at the 92nd Academy Awards, received four nominations, including Best Picture, and won Best Film Editing and Best Sound Editing. This film had been in the works at 20th Century Fox for a while. Initially, it was going to star Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt from an original screenplay titled Go Like Hell by Jason Keller, the name being taken from the book Go Like Hell, Ford, Ferrari, and Their Battle for Speed and Glory at Le Mans by A.J. Byme. The project fell apart, however, after writers Jez Butterworth and John Henry Butterworth drafted a script and Joseph Kaczynski was brought on to direct due to the budget being too high. On February 5th, 2018, it was announced that James Mangold had been brought on board to direct the film based on the previous script by Keller and the Butterworths. Filming began on June 30th, 2018 and lasted for 67 days, taking place in California, New Orleans, Louisiana, Atlanta, Savannah, and Statesboro, Georgia, as well as Le Mans, France. If you enjoy our conversations and would like to contribute or contact us, consider visiting our website at ourbinetcake.com and share this transmission with your friends. Be sure to join us next week as we discuss Dale and Tucker vs. Evil, a 2010 dark comedy horror film starring Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk. This was probably my favorite movie from 2019 when it came out. And it was something that... Benjo, was it you that introduced me to this movie or was it our dad? I'm not sure. I feel like I feel like I should at least be given credit because it was one of those movies where I was like, Dad, you should watch this. And he was like, mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh no, he's doing it again. Even though I know he's gonna like it. And then he came back and was like, I saw Ford versus Ferrari like three times in a row. 
I'm like, I knew it. I knew you'd like it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so first impressions, what did you guys think of the movie if you had not seen it before? Didn't dislike it as much as I, I would have expected a racing movie. <laughs> <laughs> For those no, of you I, who I, are unfamiliar, that is incredibly high praise. I enjoyed it. That's I, almost I, higher than I watched a Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get to the new Lego Star Wars. Um, I, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was uh, thrilling, actually. I love the director, Man- James Mangold. Mm-hmm. What else oh, has wow. he done? Responsible for the best two thirds of the Wolverine trilogy. Yes. Oh, good. Oh. Right. And the Wolverine. Walk the line. Um, three ten okay. to Yuma. Uh, three ten to Yuma. I would discuss that if you guys wanted to do that one time. Oh yeah. Okay. Good so that makes that's, that's that makes sense with the story then. While it while it was interesting for non car people, mm-hmm. did not immediately make me want to go back to watching Speed Race. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was gonna say it's hard for me to top the Speed Racer because I do love Speed Racer. <laughs> <laughs> but it just because it's so visual and the colors i really enjoyed it because i um i kind of just like picked up on a whim because i'd heard good things about it being that this is based on a true story and everything i i expected it to be a good movie even if i wasn't familiar with the car part of it i really enjoyed it and to me it wasn't necessarily just from the racing standpoint i did enjoy really is it mark Wahlberg? is that matt damon dang it. matt damon matt damon dang it I always get them confused oh <laughs> close, enough. <laughs> close enough matt damon. they're both from boston and they both you begin can... with m because <laughs> yeah, name could have been minnesota fats and i would have still gotten him confused <laughs> if you have my vision they have the same face <laughs> matt damon <laughs> But I think they're both good actors. And so I really wasn't disappointed with this at all. For me, it was Batman and his like his noises he would make while driving the cars and him talking to it is what really made it for me. <laughs> he's like having these little mini conversations yeah, yeah. and and he's like hitting on the car almost getting real excited when things are happening or when stuff's breaking. And it's just that's what really made it for me is his reaction. You know who I like? John Berenthal. I love that guy. And not just what the Walking Dead, the Punisher, yeah. which I hope he gets to come back to, but uh, I love him in whatever he's in. Uh, Fury. He's, Have you guys seen he that? He surprised me. Yeah, he's, yeah. he surprised yeah, he me a lot. Fury. I love him in Fury. But, but like you were saying, you don't have to just enjoy cars to enjoy this movie, which is one of the things that I find very appealing about it is that mm. it allows for the people's strong personalities to shine. And with the wonderful performances by Christian Bale and Matt Damon and and everybody else, basically, like the film is very well cast and well directed. Uh, It won Oscars for sound and editing. And it's it's really, really well done. The quiet moments that allow the gravity of the situation to settle is where I find some of the best of the performances that they have going on. Yeah. But like. Yeah, and, and, and it's fun. My... It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie to watch. It is. It's tear around the track and build things, and things blow up, and it's great. <laughs> but it's grounded in reality. I like the story between the two characters, those two main characters too, because like one of my favorite scenes isn't even like during a race or anything. It's when he asks him to come back, basically come back to drive after they lost that first big race, <laughs> and they get in a fight on like across the street from uh christopher nolan's 
lawn. It's a fantastic scene. And his wife just pulls out a lawn chair in a magazine (laughs) to sit down and watch them. And then after they were beating each other up, like there was one part where he was going to hit him with a can and he put it back and grabbed the loaf of bread instead. (laughs) Because the fight was, it was just something for them to release tension, I guess, between the two of them for it to happen. But he didn't want to hurt him even though he had punched him, the other guy had punched him directly in the nose. He didn't want to hit him with the can. He asked his wife to get him a drink, and he told him not to get one for him, even though she asked. <laughs> yeah. He can get his own. Fizzy pop. He get fizzy his own pop. fizzy pop. <laughs> fizzy that, pop. that scene right there is, was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. I think it's an excellent movie about people. Like, you, mm. really, you really enjoy the characters, which I think is why it appeals to people who aren't as much into racing yeah but i really think it came down to like the performance of the individual characters and how they built up around the characters and the concept that it was about these two team of sort of like you know oil stained auto mechanics who loved racing more than like life itself and that was the impetus for the all the action moving forward oh yeah for sure and uh, something that goes well into establishing all that is how the film is paced. As I mentioned, it, it's very well edited, but you get a sense of who the characters are almost immediately upon meeting them. So it's fun to see that difference in in character and how yeah. they work together very well for what they need to do, be doing at the time. If you want to pick a movie that highlights important people in the car world, like this was like the time, the exact time frame and sort of like the thing to do it around, right? You have Henry Ford II, who's the grandson of Ford, the founder, Henry Ford Mm -hmm. I. You have Enzo Ferrari as a part of it. And there's their like Mm. struggle that they have between business is like what caused this, you know? Yeah. Ford wanted to buy Enzo. That's true. Went to go do it. Enzo probably used that Ford offer to get a higher buy-in from Fiat. That's also probably true. (laughs) And because of that, Henry Ford got pissed and decided to beat Enzo in the like the one place where he really cared, which was on the racetrack. The whole issue of Enzo not wanting to give up control over Scuderia Ferrari was like one of the main reasons why he gave as a reason to not go with Ford in the first place. And so this notion of like these two giants in the automotive world, you know, with probably Enzo Ferrari arguably being one of the greatest car makers ever to live as like, as like a bad guy. It's kind of funny because he's only in the movie like a handful of times and he's really not the antagonist, right? That's oh, like no. Leo, Leo no, Beebe, the like the yeah. sort of malicious, like the, the, like the senior vice president, guy. <laughs> the guy that always plays the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I was like, wasn't he the bad guy in that really awful Hulk movie with Eric Bana? (laughs) I I remember I took, I remember I took our brother to go see it when he was really little. And like halfway during the movie, he turned to me and he was like, can we go home? And I was like, this movie's pretty Uh, bad. (laughs) He does a great job at being a sleazeball. He does. does. But you always know he's going to be a sleazeball in any movie he's in though. Always. He shows I just up. found out Eric Bana's playing the voice of Monterey Jack in the Chip and Dale movie. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you get you got Lee Iacocca, who's played by John Bernthal, who's excellent in this. Mm-hmm. Lee Iacocca goes on to like leading Ford and also leading Chrysler. And from yep. Chrysler, you end up getting the Dodge Viper, which is a Carroll Shelby car at the end of the day. And if you wanted to just like pick a time where you had, you know, McLaren driving cars, yeah, and you McLaren had Dan was Gurney, driving. 
mm-hmm. Phil Hill, like all these amazing people who are part of this project. Like it's kind Steve of Steve like, McQueen was was around at the time. Yeah, he's he's big into racing and motorsports. Huge, much to the chagrin oh. of this film studios. <laughs> Wasn't that one of the throwaway lines though, where it was like, I thought, oh yeah, yeah, when that, they were McQueen had purchased car? that same yeah. car. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about McQueen. <laughs> Take his money, but don't give him the car. You know? I was anyway. there, they said that he had sold like the same car three times that month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which was true i think in the passing of carol shelby there's this write-up in car and driver and one of carol shelby's good friends quoted him as being like a legitimate con man like he was like a con man but he was great at being a business person and like mm. it, and they were basically like he's like the great american dream where he's yeah, to call him a con man isn't accurate right but to also he pushed the boundaries of what was of his obligations. Let's That's say. why he was a good businessman is because he was a con man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just set up for like an, an amazing sort of cast of characters to all sort of be in the same spot at the same time. Another one of the, the defining scenes of the movie, I think, is when Carol Shelby enacts his plan against Henry Ford II and BB, <laughs> locks BB in the in the office so he can take Henry IV the second on yep. a lap sort of around in the GT40. Oh, I love that. And <laughs> and it's set up really well. Like, yeah, I was born ready. Hit it. <laughs> and at the end, he's crying. Yeah. And it's it's played for laughs initially, but then it lands on a more serious note where you realize how much this car and this achievement of engineering means to Henry IV the second. And he wishes that his but his dad could have been alive to see this miracle of engineering yeah. take place. And it's really kind of a sweet scene at the end. Also for the fact that he was like so intimidating, I guess, from initially in the movie, everybody's scared of him. You know, he's like hitting the button to stop the uh, assembly line and everything. And then he's like crying at going oh, yeah. fast they were he's going. the deuce. <laughs> <laughs> but that's on his uh, parking spot at work. Yeah. <laughs> Hank, Hank the Deuce was what was one of his nicknames. Also, HF2, Roman numeral two, was another one of his nicknames. It, there's like, I think there's a lot of like conversations between two people, right, throughout the movie that are really important. One is like between Ken Miles and his wife when she thinks that he's, you know, getting back into racing, but not telling her. And she, she's trying to manage her expectations about where his career is going after like the garage get lo- gets locked up. And he's like, I'm done racing. I got to go out and get like a real job. And, you know, when they're driving. Oh, that was, that was something that was very confusing to me were her motivations. And I think that there was a, a missing scene somewhere or, or something that needed to be restructured. You know, after the garage gets locked up, and Ken decides that, okay, he's going to, he chucks out his trophies. He's going to get a real job, quote unquote. And she tells him flat out not to give up on his dream and to keep going for it. And that we'll figure something out. Then he meets with Carol Shelby and Shelby gets him involved in this project. And he's not sure how he feels about it yet. So he hasn't told his wife anything. And she almost kills them by recklessly driving down the road because he might be getting back into racing. And I'm, I'm not, I didn't understand that part of the, of her arc. The dynamic. I, 
Yeah, I thought I felt like she was angry at the idea of him maybe being indecisive about it. Like she wanted him to make a decision to go one way or the other. I could see that. I also think that she was pissed because he didn't tell her about their financial insolvency with. Yeah, the that is a huge. <laughs> that is a huge conflict between <laughs> any couple. Oh, man. Sure. And, and then when like he's sort of waffling one way or the other saying like, I'm not going to do it. I am going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then she sees him go off with Carol that night and he comes home and he hasn't told her anything about it. And so I think it's just, she's thinking like, what, what else are you keeping from me? Right? Like, mm. are you going to try to do both things without telling me like what's going on here? I, th- I thought she was an excellent actress. Um, oh, oh yeah. She's fantastic. Uh, she's I just, I just had, had initial confusion about the, about their dynamic there. Yeah. Um, it, I, I also really liked the conversation between Ray McKinnon, who plays Phil, like the person who's sort of over the garage and the racing team. Oh, um, pops. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Pops. And, uh, and the little boy, Peter. That was great. Oh, yeah. That was probably one of my favorite parts. And the way, the way it, it comes back at the end with him uh, saying, uh, sometimes I don't get out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it just sets up for those really human moments again, where I think it like plays the emphasis on the characters and the character development between the characters um, versus just like, oh, are they going to win? Well, partially because anyone familiar with cars is familiar with they do win. And it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I loved watching the kid go from like uh, just being totally into racing and almost seeing his dad as like a superhero of racing. And then kind of seeing the danger of it um, through his oh, dad yes. and it almost like turning, you know, and, you know, he's more concerned about the, you know, did he check the brakes, you know, or, you know, he's, he's more concerned about the safety of it at that point. But I, it, it was nice to see him not come out uh, completely traumatized at the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A lot of people on fire in this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it started I mean, off that way too, where he's like, yeah. "Am I on fire? Am I on fire?" <laughs> Keep going, fill it up. I mean, that was the life of racing, though. Like oh, yes. now, it's it's. I mean, racing is still dangerous, but I think it was called Race to Immortality, which was the documentary that I saw. I saw it on a plane once, but it follows a bunch of Italian drivers who raced for Scuderia Ferrari in the early days, and how like almost all of them died. Like it was just like it, that was the end of your racing career. Was you? Just, <laughs> no one ever was, retired from. You racing. worked for Scuderia Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, but and I think that the movie did a very good job at highlighting the difficulty of racing something for twenty four hours, and uh, not Why? only the, the the inherent danger involved in it, but also the toll that it takes on somebody to do yeah. it. And the machine. And <laughs> anything can go wrong at any time. <laughs> I get the need to see, uh, like, pushing the person, like, and they they had that other random guy uh, testing the car, and they said he had only driven it for two hours. I mean, I see, oh, I see yeah, the so need. Like, to... yeah, not, not even an hour. Like, yeah, okay. I haven't even driven for yeah. an hour. What well, can you know about it in an hour? <laughs> the, the, to push the driver, to push the car, but 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't think I've done anything for 24 hours. <laughs> no, you watched that. You did that 24 marathon, remember? Oh, that's true. That's true. It really only comes out to like 18 hours with commercials. 
Didn't you and use a treadmill for part of the scenes where I did? I did. <laughs> I did. I had a treadmill. I had a Nerf gun to get it on the action. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was ready. <laughs> I mean, granted, in these things, you have driver changes, and so you'll have a driver. A driver won't drive the full twenty-four hours. You'll right. have you'll have stints, and you'll swap out. But still, I've. I mean, back when I worked in the auto industry and we raced at Daytona. It was like dark and drizzly, and I was just wasted. And so I went back to the hotel to sleep, and then come back, you know, in time for you know the donuts and stuff that we had in the early morning pit hours. And I was just like, how? Like I'm tired, and all I've done is like walk around and talk to reporters about how great our team is. Like these people are actually out there, you know, with a mental stimulation going on constantly for however long, and then trying to grab some shut eye and food in between like, sitting in a pea soaked. <laughs> like racing bucket like i i don't know like it just seems it seems like on one level that it would be fun it also seems hellish like completely hellish those cars do seem kind of claustrophobic too oh yeah, yeah. especially with how they had to ease henry the fourth the second into it <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> squishing but like 100 every time i drive in the rain especially at night i i know i'm going to die <laughs> And yet you're still here, which makes oh, that this, knowledge like <laughs> this, that, that just, that stressed me out. I didn't, I didn't want it. <laughs> I, I love when a movie can throw something at me like that. And I'm just like, no, take it away. That <laughs> it's, it's true that when it comes to like the safety of the car and stuff, that the brakes would fail. They had to develop some sort of system where they could replace the whole brake assembly because the car couldn't cool the brakes down. And when you're mm. going 200 miles an hour on the Molson straight, and then you have the hard turn to go down the hill, like, uh, you know, the car has to stop. They showed how the wheels looked like they were on fire. Oh yeah, the the glow from the brakes. Mm -hmm. I don't know how uh, they do it. I mean, I, I have enough trouble braking for all the people that have to turn randomly into Walmart. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know how these guys do it. <laughs> I was at like a symposium thing before actually premiere of the movie Rush, which is another good racing movie. I think a mm -hmm. little more Hollywood eyes, I think, even than this version. But is that the one with Thor? It is Thor okay. and. Um, Wait a minute, what was uh, the one with the dude from Third guy. Rock on a bicycle? I was thinking that was Rush. No, that's something else. What? The um the dude from Third Rock on the bicycle. He was a bike racer. You don't mean John Lithgow, do you? No, not John Lithgow. That <laughs> okay. the one with the ponytail. That's um uh whatever. He is the kid in the show, but he's grown up now. Joseph Gordon Levitt? Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, that's the one. He was on a bike. Oh, the one where he's like a bike. Uh, oh, like, like a courier. Is a courier? Was that it? I don't. <laughs> and then and then he then he summons the the couriers from the underworld at the end. To <laughs> yeah, some, <laughs> something like that. Yes, yes, yeah. You have taken us so far afield. <laughs> yeah. I don't it's know that movie, but now I'm kind of interested. <laughs> <laughs> it's got wheels. It, it's associated. <laughs> That's that was a turn that I did not expect. Is that like a tongue in cheek <laughs> thing, or is that like a serious thing? Is this like from dawn to dusk? We're like, yes. what is this movie about? I'll answer yes to both those questions. <laughs> You'll have to figure it out in your own time. Uh, 
You never know. You never know. <laughs> anyway, I was, I was at a symposium. Yeah, Badger, what were you saying about this? I was at a symposium <laughs> listening to a race car driver. Rob Holland is his name. He's a super nice guy. And he was saying that when he was racing at the Nürburgring, it was just like dumping buckets of rain. Oh. And everyone is out there trying to find the fastest line still, like in the rain. And in some areas of the trek, you have standing water and you have flowing rivers and all of those things like slow you down, right? Because you can't drive as fast. And so he was driving and he realized that if he was following somebody, that rain was like, that the water was shooting from the tires and hitting his windshield. And so he was using that as like, a, as almost like an evaluation of how good he was on the racing line. He's like, so I'm just going to keep following this person. And then he was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Like, I can't see anything. <laughs> and he was like, I just think that like, if you're a professional racer, there's some piece of your brain that's missing that like fear piece of your brain that's missing. That's just like, I got to find a faster way to get there. Right. Regardless of whether it's safe for me to do this or not. And so you can, you can definitely see that in like, I don't know, Shelby's insistence on like racing despite taking nitroglycerin pills you know at the end for his heart and like mm. 10 miles not really caring about his safety he like immediately runs when he finds out that they put the new engine in the mark ii or whatever it oh, is yeah, he, he just runs ran out, out there takes the guy's helmet it. jumps in <laughs> <laughs> and drives off <laughs> like it's not like is this safe it's like oh wait can i experience that yes i'm gonna go for yes. it um <laughs> I know we should, we should wait thing. for your headquarters. That no, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, pops is there. He's like, "What's the track record?" You know, he's looking stopwatch. <laughs> for me, it's just a fun movie all around. The racing bits are exciting and well filmed. There's you know minimal use of CGI. It's fantastic. One of the best pieces yeah. of fact versus fiction I read was about the uh, the door trouble he had it was real. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a genuine problem he experienced. Hilariously, it was actually due to him uh, uh, slamming the door on his own helmet <laughs> and bending it. <laughs> Wait, was his head still inside the helmet? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Um, so he wasn't quite in the car yet when he slammed the door? It was nice enough uh, for them to leave that out of <laughs> That's that's really funny, but that's, that's something you know included in the movie that a a screen write, writer just writing from scratch, like mm -hmm. I want to tell this amazing you know, racing story, probably would not include. But it's one of those details that is that it could only be real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the other was um, uh, Shelby. Apparently, he actually pitched um, his involvement in the uh, creation of the car to them rather than them coming to him, which I think would have made more sense for his character. Yeah. They were a little uh, rushed on the timeline. Like they show, you know, BB is like launching the Mustang when uh, Carol like lands the plane. Yeah. And, like, and it was like, where did that speech. come from? Um, the Mustang wasn't launched until later, which Lee Iacocca was actually a part of. And I think the head of like, they That's had still a great scene. <laughs> oh, yes. super good scene. But like the Ford had actually been involved in the GT 40 project, I think for like two years before mm. Carol got involved. And, um, and then it was like, it wasn't going anywhere. It, it was sort of like they brought Carol in because they knew like, Oh, we need, 
you know, we need someone who knows what they're doing on this. And so it wasn't the Iacocca approaching Carol and being like, hey, hypothetically, what happens, say, if we wanted to go? <laughs> it was like they had already been trying. And by that time, they, you know, Carol and Ford got together and they were like, OK, let's do this. Yeah. For the sake of the movie and moving things along, I think they did pretty well in. Yeah. In it's, establishing it's OK to combine how it, events yeah. like that yeah. sometimes. Sure. I think so. Because, I mean, you got to. Yeah, you got to make it. You got you got to get the so story going. Yeah, exactly. one thing I was I wasn't sure about were two they hours. both. It was two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> were they both like in the? Did they both were they fighting together in the war? Was that accurate or I guess not because they were from different countries. No, he they, he did. He drove both, tanks in the both, war. Both allies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He he drove. Um, Ken Miles drove tanks, and then Shelby was a pilot. <laughs> Okay, that's right. Okay, I had confused some stuff there. I knew they had both been in the war, from what I remembered. But. So is that how you do it? You train on tanks, and then you're you're a race car driver. <laughs> well, kind I mean, of can... like I learned to drive with a giant fan, and now I feel like I'm kind of okay with anything. <laughs> I learned how to drive stick on a broken dump truck. <laughs> so Ford versus versus Ferrari was a movie not about cars, but about people. Who drives in cars, cars. <laughs> <laughs> with surprisingly little Ferrari in it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You did get the sense that it was going to be uh, from at least from the title. There was going to be like a lot of back and forth, or it was going to be a huge competition, and it was really more about the Ford side. Maybe they could only rent the uh, Ferrari for so long during the shoot, so they like let's get a lot of Ford in this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like an interesting backdrop because it's about really Ken Miles and Matt Damon against the bureaucracy of Ford. Like it's Ford, it's Shelby versus Ford, honestly. The, the antagonists end. are is the Ford Motor Company itself. Yes. The parable of the red folder. I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. And it, it almost it insulted him so much that he's like, there's one man in charge of Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Once I get that red folder, I'll know who it is. <laughs> you go get it from that other person outside and bring it to me. <laughs> and so it sort of sets up like this. Yeah, I don't know this dynamic between Ford and Shelby, which ended up being a really profitable one for Shelby for the rest of his life. Right? Oh, yeah. for sure all the mustang versions of the cars and i think it like makes a really compelling story i don't know how much of it is actually true that side we do know that leo bb did ask ken miles to slow down so that they could get the one two three picture mm. but there's mm. still some controversy as to whether or not the deuce asked bb to do that and in lots of interviews afterward it seems like bb wasn't the you know villain that josh lucas made him out to be which makes sense right like somebody's got to be the antagonist and it seems like a lot of his friends and associates uh were, were not uh, uh did not agree with that portrayal of him yeah which is is fine i think if you know if i was thinking about being fair to history it, you could have like made up a name of someone to have been like the evil exec at ford to yeah. sort of take that place yeah, yeah that, that was a brilliant way to to screw them over in the end. <laughs> totally. And and that yeah. was true. And so maybe they backed up into, okay, well, if BB asked Ken Miles to slow down in the race for real, 
Like, what if he just became the antagonist throughout the rest of the movie? Mm-hmm. And we can sort of throw all of the antagonist, you know, the all the things that the antagonist is supposed to do in this movie sort of onto BB. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they backed into it, but I don't know. I I love the movie. I I loved like the music and the sound. I feel like just like you really got that in terms of like how raw and how like real the racing was. I think the cinematography was off awesome and I couldn't believe how furious I was at the, uh, you know, his robbery. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, for like a half an hour after the movie, I'm I'm going, I I don't know how this actually works, but I mean, if you were the other driver, just be a sportsman, you know, and and give it to him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It made me so mad. (laughs) Technicalities. Ken Miles never won Le Mans. That's dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> most technicalities are <laughs> I, I i love the idea of them having to uh run to the cars at the start i've never seen that before it was it was what's called the lamont start <laughs> As I, when he was discussing it with his kid and he was talking about no you have to start from back here and i was i was like well of course he has to walk to his car first right <laughs> <laughs> i didn't i didn't realize the way this race started <laughs> They bring you in on a chair with those poles. People are like carting you. To the- <laughs> then they pick you up and gently caress you into the bucket. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Only if you're Henry Ford. Yeah, you know who's really the crazier? Um, it's it's not the drivers. It's these people standing and waving at these ridiculous turns. Yes, oh, yeah. the people standing on the sidelines. And- oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I've been to a lot of wrestling matches, and you know, you expect a body to fly at you, but they're not going to 200 miles an hour. Yeah, and there's a difference between a folding chair, <laughs> yes, yeah, and a race car. Yeah, I don't care what kind of purse grandma's got; it's not going to stop that car speeding at you <laughs> coming around that turn. Especially if it has brakes as bad as the GT40. <laughs> <laughs> One of a hundred things that made me ridiculously nervous in this thing. Well, this is definitely a film that I would recommend to people. And like we've mentioned before, you don't have to be a car person to enjoy it. It is a wonderful movie about people. You just have to not hate Matt Damon. <laughs> that's true. That, that's a that's a caveat. But if you do happen to hate Matt Damon, he does get punched in this movie and set on fire. So yeah, there's that. There's that. And if you think he's Mark Wahlberg, you're even better off. Okay, so Speed Racer has one thing over this film: Um, airbags that instantly inflate you. (laughs) The airbags that instantly envelop you. (laughs) It made me feel safe and comfortable. (laughs) And the loop-de-loop tracks, which like the neon. Do like John Goodman. I do like John Goodman. Did not like him in that shirt, but. (laughs) Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our Midnight Cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug. Thank you, and good night.
well, well done us. <laughs> We've got yeah, yeah. We, we we talked about that one. Yeah, I almost watched the whole thing too this time. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did you uh, stop watching? Well, hold on, let me see where I, I paused it. <laughs> you don't know how the movie ends. I do. I've seen it before. Oh, okay. Or I own it. Oh, okay. But I was trying okay. to rewatch it. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, this is my this first is, time. I I was uh, an hour eighteen into it, so he was talking to his kid. About halfway. Right yeah. On the on the airplane, like time yeah, back. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then they That's go get ice cream. Stuff. That's a good scene. <laughs> That's a good scene too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I have finished the movie before. I okay. <laughs> no, no spoilers here. <laughs> so I've got a a funny uh, car story that you can edit out if you want, but. When I went on my first field trip um, and took kids to the art exhibit, I, ha- I had to drive a bus for the first time, which surprisingly went well. Um, oh, but, you got to drive the bus. Yeah, but um, wait, a school bus? Yeah, uh, it was one where I didn't have to have the special license. There was just enough seats to where it, you didn't have to have the, the special license. The special bus doesn't require the special license. Correct. Gotcha. That is correct. <laughs> Believe it or not. Um, <laughs> so I was driving the bus and we were on the interstate and the, the doors fling open. And, um, so apparently they've had problems with the doors and, uh, like, like the, the door beside you, right? Not the yes, emergency. The doors beside okay. me. <laughs> yeah, the accordion door. <laughs> the accordion door going down the interstate. And, uh, so then my, one of my students leaned over and grabbed it and pulled it back, but it wouldn't stay shut. So then he basically held it for the remaining 30 minutes till we got to uh, Opry Mills. And then once we got ready to leave, the other bus driver for the other uh, bus had gone to uh, Bass Pro, grabbed a roll of overpriced duct tape and duct taped us in for the ride back home to the school. And then once we got to school, he used his tiny little pocket knife that was like no longer than your finger to cut us out of the bus. (laughs) So he was your he was the pops with the hammer yes, to help he you was. ten miles close your door yes, down the Mulsanne Street. 